0: The title of this morning's message is taking care of business. Amen taking care of business and in your personal life There's some times you got to look at yourself and your self-worth and the significance you put on yourself And you got to begin to take care of business with yourself. Amen And so this morning we're going to go over our our phrase that we've done in every message so far of why we even started this series And it's because of this the graveyard is the richest place on earth Because it is here that you will find the hopes and the dreams that were never fulfilled the books that were never written, the songs that were never sung, the inventions that were never shared, and the cures that were never discovered, all because someone was too afraid to take that first step. Everybody say, not me, not this morning. This morning, morning, you're not going to be afraid to take that first step because today, it's all about you and your self-concept, and we're going to dig a little bit deeper into that here this this morning. Self-concept is this, it's your simple overall impression of yourself as a human being. If I were to say, rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate yourself right now? Deepest gut level, uh, gut check you could possibly do. Rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10. What would you rate yourself at? Because your self-concept is your overall impression of yourself as a human being. It's made up of three parts. The self-ideal, which we're going to get to here in a couple weeks. That's the future you. It's the best case scenario you. It's the you that if everything went perfect just as you imagined in life, that's the you you would end up being. I used last week the analogy, I have one self-ideal amazing golf shot every time I play golf that's not good (laughs) because I only hit one shot where I plant it and it intentionally goes and lands and stops where I want it to go land and stop (laughs) and that's not too good but it's that one shot that keeps me going back for more and for more and for more misery over and over and over again and so in that process I realized if I can do that shot that one amazing ideal shot one time then why can't I repeat that process and do it more than once? It's the same thing with your self-ideal. Um, if you can live perfect for 10 minutes and be the you that you desire to be for 10 minutes when the pressure's on and you rise to the task and you fulfill the occasion, whatever that may be, if you can do that for and operate at a high level for 10 minutes, why can't you duplicate that and do it for 20? And Develop the ideal you and who you're called to be and who you're supposed to be the problem with the the self-ideal is We got a self-image that gets in the way and we learned about that week get the message last week It's called old me new me and get caught up on that. This is how you currently view yourself You can tell how you currently view yourself by what you say about yourself and what your actions are By what you say about yourself and what your actions are if you always go around calling yourself a loser well your self-image is a loser (laughs) self-image If you go around saying how dumb you are, then you have a dumb self-image. If you go around saying how awesome and amazing you are, then you may have an awesome and amazing self-image and it may be a little overinflated, amen? (laughs) Right? And so your self-image has a lot to do with everything that goes on in your life, but today we're talking about this, your self-worth. Your self-worth is the significance or importance you place on yourself, spirit, soul, and body. The significance or or importance you place on yourself in your spirit life, the area of your soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions, and the area of your physical body. And so your self-worth is comprised of those three areas. And here's the qualifying statement that we did last week, and I'll do this week and the next time we, we do this self-ideal message, and it's Psalm 37:4. It's delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your ways to the Lord, and he will surely do this. When you begin to delight yourself in the Lord or stay in the presence of God, you will begin to not see the ideal you that you may have pictured in your head. You should begin to be seeing Jesus shine forth through you and the Jesus you see inside you. And here's the thing about your self-ideal. If your self-ideal isn't lining up to look like Jesus, you don't have God's ideal self of you. So you need to begin to get God's ideal self of you, and that comes from Psalm 37.4. We'll spend some more time on that as well as this series goes on. And so the biggest issue we have with our self-ideal is not the future you, It's the current decisions that we're making that will never get you to the person you desire to be the biggest problem We have reaching the optimal us the us. That's awesome the us That's amazing the us that can operate at that high level for that 10 minute time period that we want to see operate like that For the rest of our life the biggest issue we have of achieving that point or getting to that place in life is the current decisions We're making will not get us there. How many of y'all see yourself? Worshiping at an amazing level doing awesome things for the kingdom of God on a Sunday morning You visualize a Friday you get pumped for church it's like, yeah, I can't wait till Sunday morning. But the decisions you make on Saturday night don't always lead to your optimal worship on Sunday morning. So I mean, okay, the, that was not obviously a, a bright, shining spot in the message because there was no amens on that. So then he tells me one of two things, and we'll address those issues later. But you cannot optim- operate at the optimal self, your self ideal, if the current decisions you're making will not lead you there, right? I will never be able to run a marathon unless I start doing what? Running. So I'll never run a marathon. I'm just telling you I ran a half marathon about two years ago, and I said I'm done I'll never do that again worst experience of my life <laughs> and people say Dude, why don't you run? I'm like because it's miserable out there <laughs> right and all you non-runners said amen So I do something different I do crazier stuff than run so here's the deal our self-worth We must begin to place significance and importance on our spirit soul and body and the scary thing about our self-worth is this we'll spend more money when we die on a casket, tombstone, and to make our gravesite look pretty than we'll ever spend in a lifetime to make our, our, our current self-worth get to the ideal self. Funerals can cost anywhere between ten dollars to $15,000 on the cheap side. Most people in life will not spend ten dollars to $15,000 to positively improve their self today to get them to their self-ideal, but we'll spend $12,000 to make our dead place look pretty I would rather have a dead place look ugly and a life that looked amazing because I invested into myself here rather than having to pour a bunch of money into a gravestone here. I love the quote that, that Mitch put on the screen last week. He said, the most two important dates in your life are this, the date you were born and the day you find out why. The date you were born and the day you found out why. And that's from Mark Twain. He was an awesome author. If you hadn't read some of his stuff, you need to get into it. He's pretty good. And so we got to understand this. We spend more money on our gravesite than we do on our own self-worth. Now, your self-worth, you can measure it by this, how much time, money, energy, and effort you put into improving your spirit, your soul, and your body. Your self-worth is made up of your spirit, soul, and body, and how much time, money, energy, and effort do you spend to positively improve your self-worth? A lot of people say, well, I'm just dumb. I could never do that. Well, buy a book and start reading. Can you read Hold your hand if you can read, (laughs) right? All right, we got five-year-olds in here holding their hand up, okay? They can positively improve their life if they'll invest five bucks on an iBook to improve their lifestyle. The thing is, we put more worth on our dead place than we do on our living life. So in the spirit world, how much time, energy, effort, and money have you put and spent and invested into your spiritual life this past week? How many books have you bought? How many books have you read? How many CDs have you listened to? How many um, new worship songs have you downloaded on your iTunes account? How much time, energy, money, effort, and, and abilities have you spent investing into your spirit life this week? How much time, energy, money, and effort have you spent investing into your mental life this week? Some of you, the best thing you could do is, is turn your phone off and go buy a Starbucks coffee for 30 minutes and mentally refresh. Right? Come on. Come <laughs> on. You must begin to invest into your mind. And I talk about operating at a high level for a long time. Operating at a high level for a long time is incorporated in kicking back and relaxing for strategic periods of your life. Taking a breath and refreshing. Some of y'all need to book a vacation to the beach. Come on, thank you Jesus. (laughs) Right there. Some of y'all need to get away for a little bit so you can come back and be the very best you that you can be. Some of you need to get up 30 minutes earlier in the morning because when you wake up and you start running frantically all through the house trying to get everything done that you had, should have done in an hour that you try to do in 30 minutes, you make the rest of your day miserably because you didn't invest your time properly that morning. Well, I'm just so tired. Well, go to bed earlier. <laughs> See, the decisions you made last night affect how you operate this morning. And listen, what you watch right before you go to bed will dictate the rest you'll have that night. That's why you should go to bed with something amazing from God going in through your head, either a word from God, a scripture in your life, a song in your heart. You'll sleep better because your mind will be focused on him even when you rest. Because whether you believe it or not, your mind doesn't quit. (laughs) How many of y'all have woke up still working? Come on. (laughs) I'm telling you. I do it all the time. Wake up still working. Never quit. I wake up and I was like, dang, I got to get this. And I just immediately start taking notes. I mean, I'm telling you. I just start talking into my phone, and it starts writing it down for me. I'm so glad we got technology, but we must begin to value our self-worth. And finally, your physical body, your physical body. Now, I know that those of you who don't work out love this work, love this verse. And the Bible says this. It says, physical training is of little benefit. And all the ones who don't work out say, amen, come on. (laughs) Come on, man, I'm giving y'all armor. Man, I'm giving y'all ammunition for me, okay? I'm giving you ammunition here, and you're still not using it. Physical training is of little benefit, but it didn't say of no benefit because, listen, if the Holy Spirit resides in this physical temple, the only way the Holy Spirit can do his work here on this earth is if you take care of this physical temple. It does you no good to be dead, dying, and lying in a hospital trying to tell somebody about Jesus who can save, deliver, and heal when you're dead and dying. A lot of people want to believe God for a miracle. Why don't you use the wisdom God gave you and lead a healthy lifestyle so you don't need a miracle? If you... Eat McDonald's all the time, and I used to be guilty of it. Gosh, and I still love their Dr. Peppers, (laughs) right? But I heard a great leader say this one time. I'd put the Dr. Pepper can right upside the Miller Lite can. They both do equal damage to your body, and he is so right. And I love them McDonald's Dr. Peppers, though. But you've got to start making decisions at some point in your life that you'll invest into your physical body because this is the carrier of the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. And the Holy Ghost needs this to reside in to get the gospel out around the world. And so if you don't take care of this, you'll never be able to go around the world and do all that God's called you to be. The very thing that I do not want to have happen in my life is this. And I don't fear it. I'm not Job. Job. And Job brought all his chaos on himself by his fear. I don't fear it, but the reason I take care of my physical body is because I don't want to die before I'm supposed to, having 10 years of my life left that I should have been leading people to Christ and I didn't get to do it. And so I need you guys to start putting great self-worth on your life and start investing into yourself spiritually, mentally, emotionally, socially, and financially to make you be the optimal you you can be. Husbands, the greatest thing you can do for your wife is probably once a week send them to get a manicure or a pedicure. Ladies, come on, I had you. Yeah. Ladies, y'all should have said, come on, preach it. I was expecting somebody to stand up and say, yes, come on, Pastor, let's do this. Yeah. Now, now, come on, guys. In this life, you've got to begin to take care of this so you can be the optimal you that you can be. Now, that's your self-worth, and you must begin to positively improve yourself. And you need to think about this. That's why you're by yourself. What is the last thing you did to positively improve yourself? Listen, I didn't say fill an empty void in your life. I said, positively improve yourself. See, a lot of us do things out of necessity, not to positively improve ourselves. We eat out of necessity because we're hungry, then we binge eat way too many McDonald's fries. That's why they came up with supersize <laughs> rather than positively investing in ourselves and eating healthy portion meals throughout the day. Come on, thank you, Jesus. Hey, I'm not saying I do it. I can't remember when the last time I had breakfast was. I mean, I'm telling you. Two cups of coffee with saltacoma marco- macchiato uh, creamer in there. I'm good, man. That's my breakfast each and every morning. About 11.30, I get hungry, and then I make a lunch meeting and eat way too many Juan Pablo's chips, right? <laughs> I- I'm not saying I've accomplished this. I'm saying it's something we must begin to do and invest into ourselves. and if we're ever going to see our self-ideal appear, it's going to be because we put great value on our self worth great value on who we are right here right now and i'm just going to say i love all you people who have lost 20 pounds or more you guys are crazy awesome i mean y'all give them a hand i mean they have done awesome we've had a lot of people in our church i'm talking just do life transformations because they wanted to see a difference in their life and man i am so proud of you people And, and and i'm gonna brag on a lady who started about five years ago and and I saw a picture of uh, Brother Norman and Miss Donna about five years ago. And you guys look younger today than you did five years ago. They look younger today than they did five years ago. And I remember when Miss Donna came to me and she started teaching this workout class. And I was so proud of her because she positively began to improve her lifestyle. And she's a different woman now. She has a spirit of joy that's better than it's ever been and, and I love watching her operate And i'm proud of people like that who positively improve their self Physically because and they do it spiritually because they're bringing themselves to the ideal person God's called them to be and life change begins to take place in, in their life And so most people think that this means spending a ton of money No, it means investing wisely This doesn't mean go out today and buy all the self-help books you can find because you're never going to read them. Don't go buy the the latest and greatest P90X15 that's out there today, whichever one it is, if you're not going to pop it in the DVD player. Don't go do all that. Make wise, strategic investments into your life that you can discipline yourself to do. You're not going to build Rome in a day, but you can build Rome. Uh, a a piece of a foundation today and the basic piece of foundation you got to build today is making a decision your self-worth literally Starts this it starts on the deepest level your self-worth starts on the deepest level, which is your spirit level a lot of people Mess this up Damon. We try to make outward changes before we have an inward change And if you try to change from the outside in you'll never change because your self-worth starts at the deepest level and that is spiritually On the inside of you. This is why I harp so much on this topic. Find out what God said about you. Because when you get that deep down in your spirit, then your mind will begin to transform. And then you can easily line up your physical body. But if you're going through your whole life saying, I'm a loser, I'm a loser, I'm a loser, and I'm just going to go on this diet to make myself feel better, you'll never lose a pound. In fact, you'll gain weight, be more depressed, and fall apart later in life because you started at the wrong place. You must start inwardly, spiritually, on your deepest level because you are a spirit, you possess a soul, you have a mind, will, and emotions, and you only exist in this physical body. So we always put great importance on the thing that's going to be dead, dying, and never accomplish anything, which is the physical body, when we should put the greatest importance on our spirit, which will lead to a mental transformation, which will always lead to a physical transformation. So we must begin to put self-worth in the proper perspective and in the proper order for this to occur And so i'm going to tell you three words today say assignment alignment and confinement We're going to hit those three topics real quick this morning. This will transform your life assignment alignment and confinement assignment We've talked about this uh, for several weeks now We want you to find your assignment in life, but your assignment is based on this It's based on absolute truths in your life absolute truths In your life this is the Word of God the Word of God in your life is absolute truth the Bible says in the beginning there was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God in John 1 1 and so the Word was made flesh and came dwelt among us and so if we say we're willing to live and die for Jesus we better base our life on Jesus or the Word of God And we must begin to develop absolute truths in our life things that will not be shaken in our life Absolute truths will do three things when you have absolute truths in your life standards will then be set Standards will then be set when you put absolute truth in your life. The Bible talks about uh, husbands and wives and, and it says what God has joined together, do not let man separate. And when that becomes an absolute truth in your life, you'll start protecting your marriage and there will be a standard set for your marriage. I, I'm serious. There will be a standard set for your marriage. When you get the absolute truth in your life that says train up my child in the way that my boys should go and when they get old, my boys will not depart from it. Listen, I, your kids, are your you, you better get a truth in your life about your kids. When I get that truth in my life about my kids, I'll start setting a standard for how I want my kids to operate. What's acceptable, what's not acceptable, what's right and what's wrong, what's black and what's white, what's green and what's purple. I will begin to set standards. Where they know right from wrong. So that way when life and the world, which it currently is, is all upside down and in turmoil. They'll have something to be anchored to that won't let them be drifted all over the map. But they'll be anchored to it. They may catch a little sway here and there. But they're firmly planted on God's word. Absolute truths must be set in place. And when truths are set in place, standards will be set in place. When truths are set in place, right and wrong will be distinguished in your life. And there will be no gray areas. There should be no gray areas in your personal life. You should know what's right and wrong in your personal life on what you eat, drink, sleep, walk to, or, or walk, do, watch on TV, things like that. There should be no gray area. Now, what I do in my life and what you do in your life may not look the same, but this is where I'm accountable for Joel's life. Just because I fast doesn't mean you got to fast every time that I fast, but you should fast because the Bible says, "When you fast, not if you fast." So there is no gray area in my life of when I fast that's my life And so you will distinguish right and wrong in your life when you get absolute truth standards will be set You'll be able to distinguish right and wrong and a lot of people say this Joel How do you raise your kids according to the Bible according to what the Word of God says? It says train them upright and listen Training is not something you tell them to do and expect them to do. Training is something you model in front of them. A lot of you wonder why your kids don't listen to you and you just scream and yell at them and tell them to go do something. You don't model a lifestyle in front of them. You can never train by not modeling. You always have to model. That's how training is done. When you go to a physical trainer, what does he do? He shows you the workout. He models it in front of you and then he holds you accountable to make sure you do it right. That's called training. That's why we don't like it. But you'll be able to establish right and wrongs and you'll be able to train in your life Finally this this right here comes in the word of God becomes your defense You don't got to worry about political correctness anymore. You don't got to worry about uh, Fluff issues anymore the word of God becomes your defense when you make your assignment uh, there and you begin to uh, uh, Put absolute truths in your life. And so the next thing after assignment, we got alignment Alignment so you have assignment now we have alignment and this is positive affirmation instead of construct uh, destructive criticism positive affirmation infre- Instead of destructive criticism that positive affirmation should only come from the word and the word of God Okay, now you can get positive affirmation from other people. I like it when you guys tell me good job or you did great this morning But if my highs and lows depend on your affirmation I'm in for a world of hurt if my highs and my lows depend on God's affirmation and He's already affirmed it, I should walk very consistently in my life. And here's the thing about alignment: alignment comes into play, and when um, when we align ourselves, we must begin to align ourselves with people who are already where we want to be or are well on their way to getting there. We must begin to align ourselves with people who are already where we want to be or well on their way to getting there. I tell Mitch and Damon and Jeff and myself and our children's directors, I tell this all the time, go hang out with somebody at a different church in a department that's better than you currently run and find out what they're doing to make yourself better. I tell them that. I even give them permission to do this. You can take off on a Sunday morning and go sit in another worship service and find out what they're doing to make you better. You need training. I need training. You need to begin to do that. And if you don't begin to align yourself with people who are already where you want to be or well on your way of getting there, you're going to run into an alignment problem. It doesn't matter if you're a muscle car fan or if you are a sports car fan. How many of y'all like the muscle car? Dude, that car just amps me up. I like the sports car too, dude. That is crazy. But here's the thing about it. It doesn't matter which one you like. If you get out of alignment... If your tires get out of line, it doesn't matter how powerful you car, your car is, it doesn't matter how fast your car is, it doesn't matter what you got in the back where you can push buttons and the NOS kicks in and you go faster. If something as simple as your tires get out of alignment, over time, you're going to crash and burn. Over time, you're going to crash and burn. Who you run with and align your life with eventually will bring you to your ideal destination or you'll end up in a burning flame of uh, of, car, uh, of, of a heap in a car wreck. Who you align your life with is everything. It's everything about getting you to where you're going to be in this life. If you're the smartest person in your circle, get another circle. If you're the biggest fish in your pond, get a bigger pond or go on a diet, (laughs) right? No, I'm just playing. Get in a bigger pond goldfish literally only grow to the size of their habitation They only grow to the size of their habitation You must begin to align your life with who you want and need and desire to become the Jesus you see on the inside of you If we do not begin to align our life, we begin to end up crashing and burning in a lot of areas Listen to this the best thing you can do for your life is this is to develop a new relationship with somebody who is great in your area and ask if you can serve them. The best thing you can do in your life is develop a relationship with somebody who is great in your area and ask if you can serve them. Not work for them, not get paid for doing it, serve them. How can I pray for you? How can I help you? How can I sit under you? How can I, can I carry your computer to the next conference you go to just so I can be around you? You need to develop some relationships with people who are great in your area and serve them. Listen, this is such a biblical principle. When King Saul, the great king, the first king of Israel, went off the deep end, he asked for a young man named David. He asked for a boy named David who was skilled in playing the harp, was also a mighty man of valor and was a mighty warrior, the Bible says. And David went to King Saul and served him even when the king was trying to kill him. The king wanted to kill David because he had already defeated Goliath. And the world was renowned about David and what he did. And then Saul went off the deep end and went crazy. And he started throwing spears at people. And he said, I need somebody who can come play the harp because music calms his spirit. David, a man anointed in worship, came in, began to play the harp. And Saul tried to kill him. But he served the greatest king, the only example that he had. He served him for years, even in the midst of him trying to kill him. And David became the greatest king ever. Because, number one, he was serving the king of kings because he was a man after God's own heart, first of all. And that gave him the heart to serve his physical king and how to walk in the presence of greatness. Listen, he could fight lions and he could fight bears. He didn't know nothing about being royalty. There's a lot to learn when you, when you end up in royalty. you got to act a little bit different. You can't smell like a shepherd. You can't smell like a shepherd, especially when you're dominating and building a kingdom. So he had to learn how to act like a king. How did he begin to learn how to act like a king, even what not to do? He learned it by sitting under the king. You will learn the greatest amount of who you can become, number one, by sitting under your king and being submissive to him, but also sitting under somebody who is great in your profession and just listening. I love to meet with a great friend of mine, and I meet with him about once a quarter. And every time I walk away after an hour meeting with him, I got about eight months worth of work to do. Because I'm sitting under somebody who thinks on such a different level than I do. And he challenges my thinking. And he challenges me to be great. And he asks me the hard questions of, well, why, don't, why, why are you doing it this way? And you know what? Sometimes on the inside of me, I'm like, it ain't even your church. What are you even. I want to get mad at him. And he's even said this you can get mad if you want to. You asked to sit down with me, I'm like, I know, we're good. (laughs) See, because sometimes when I'm having to change me and invest in myself, there's painful changes that i got to realize deep within me to make me become the ideal person Joel T. Meyer needs to become. In your life, you must begin to align yourself properly. That scripture reference about David and King Saul is 1 Samuel 16, 14 through 23. You can read that in your quiet time this week. We're going to end with this. This is wise limits instead of trendy boundaries. Wise limits instead of trendy boundaries. Now listen to this. Wise limits instead of trendy boundaries. And men don't like the word confinement, especially men. Women like their, their confined space, their territory because they know it's theirs. Men don't like confinement. They like to roam. They like to be free. Get this about a lion. A lion, when it roars, it can be heard up to five miles away. It's been known that a lion's roar is so powerful that if it's standing next to a car and it roars, the car little, literally shakes. Y'all ever heard them cars with a bad system in it, that whole, right, that's a lion's roar. It can make a car shake like that when it roars. It is so powerful that if it roars looking at the ground, it creates a whirlwind of dust in front of it. That's some awesome, I can't even yell that loud. And I got a big mouth. Come on, you don't have to agree with some of this stuff. (laughs) And I And listen, it can make a whirlwind in the ground. It roars to define its territory. It roars because it keeps predators away. It keeps other lions and other, other prides away to get from infringing on his territory. Men, you must begin to roar so you define your territory, and you can roam wherever you want within your own five-mile radius of your territory. You just got to begin to define your territory and confine yourself to your territory because when you get out of your territory, you're going to be aligning with people that are going to cause you to crash and burn. You must begin to define your territories. Make wise boundary or wise decisions instead of trendy boundaries. Listen, well a lot of people say, "Well, how are we supposed to witness?" Well, you're supposed to be the light of the world in a lost and dying world. Well, if I can't hang out with sinners, listen, there's a difference. People always say this, "Well, Jesus hung out with sinners and tax collectors." No, he did not. He did not. Jesus hung out with the 12 disciples, and that's who he aligned himself with. He went and ministered to sinners and tax collectors. There's a big difference, because hanging out with sinners and tax collectors, you do what they do. Jesus never sinned. anything to them, you go into their environment and bring life into a dead place. So those of you who say Jesus hung out with sinners and tax collectors, go get a different Bible. Because it's not in there. Did he eat with them? Yes, but he didn't sin like them. I can eat in the same restaurant with a lost person, and it doesn't mean I'm hanging out with them. But it does mean I can witness to them. And many of you have mistaken that your witnessing needs to compromise your alignment, and it doesn't. When your friends ask you to go places that can compromise your alignment, you rebuttal them and say, I can't make it at that time. How about we grab coffee some other time? You bring them into your territory instead of always going into theirs. Or When you're confident enough to go to the edge of your territory, you don't just need to go to the edge of it You need to expand your territory, and that's when you need to bring some well-aligned people with you Jesus had 12 of them to have his back wherever they went so you must begin to walk in a place of Confinements wise limits and not trendy boundaries in your life. Listen to this can a man carry fire next to his chest or clothes and not be burned Proverbs says this, it's Proverbs 6, 27. Can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not get burned? The answer is no. (laughs) Just in case you're wondering, no, you can't. And if it doesn't burn you, you're still gonna stink like smoke. Here's the thing, if you're ever gonna find the self-worth that you need, you need to begin this. When we begin to kill the Pharisee in us, we will see the true Jesus shine through us. I'm gonna say that again. When we begin to kill the Pharisee in us, you will see the true jesus shine through us. What do I mean by that? I mean all this religious stuff that you go got going through your head if you got to justify why you're about to do something Just don't do it if you got to talk yourself into why, why do I need to click on this website? It's okay. God can forgive me. It's okay. This it's okay that it's okay If you got to start going through the reasons why it's okay, it's not Okay? If you've got to go through the reasons of why, you, why you've got to talk yourself into doing and justify why you're doing it, it's not okay. And that's what I'm talking about. You must kill that Pharisee in you that's wanting you to line up with religion so that Jesus Christ can shine through you. And when we begin to kill the Pharisee in us, Christ will begin to shine through us. I'm going to close with this statement. When you will put great worth on Jesus dying for you, you will begin to find great worth in yourself. When you put great worth on Jesus dying for you, you'll begin to put great worth in yourself because the more I think about the cross the crucifixion the beatings the whippings the blood that was shed for me the more I realize how I am important I am to God and if God put that much importance on me that his one and only son Jesus Christ would suffer and die and have thorns stabbed in his head that literally could puncture the skull and go into his brain if he would do that for me there must be something important about me that God sees and I must begin to find what I'm worth God said I'm worth enough for his only son to come and be crucified on a cross of Calvary. Hang there for three days. Or hang there and then die and then for three days be buried in the ground. He did that for you and for me. And the Bible says this. He didn't just die. He said he suffered the pains. And that's P-A-N-G-S. Pangs of hell. Which means the very worst places of hell he suffered for. It's talking about pangs like birth and labor pains. The very worst of the pains in labor. Women, can I get an amen on that? Okay, those very worst pains that you suffer, those are pangs. Jesus suffered, it says pangs. P-A-N-G-S, the pangs of hell. The very worst of it. Because anything he didn't suffer and die for you and for me, we're still liable for. But praise God, he took it all. And when I will put great worth on what Jesus did for me, I will find great worth in myself. Because I'll realize that very Jesus who died on the cross now lives and dwells in me. And that very power that raised him from the grave, that raised him from the grave, gave me God life to do something amazing. But your self-worth, the value you put on yourself depends on it.